Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my home, my dog, my fireplace, my chat. That's about as fast as opening as I've ever given. And I just want you to know, by the way, I, I don't rub Otto during the show much, but I want you to know I give him a lot of attention when we're not on camera. But I just leave him in his spot as, as a general rule. Many of you write that I should give him a rub, and I do. Just want you to know, and I appreciate that. Just want you to know at the outset that uh, this is being sponsored by Thinker.org. It's a very good product. Thinker without an E. T-H-I-N-K-R.org. So here's the message. It's tough to make reading a priority. Reading is really important. So what they do at Thinker.org, and I actually learned about this from uh, one of my sons who loves this. And it is wonderful. They summarize key ideas from new and no, new and noteworthy nonfiction. New, noteworthy nonfiction, triple N. It gives you an access to an entire library of great new books in bite-sized form. Reader will listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes. From old classics, so not just new, like uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, to recent bestsellers like Jordan Peterson, whom I adore, his 12 Rules for Life. You want to challenge your preconceptions, expand your horizons, become a better thinker, go to thinker.org, T-H-I-N-K-R.org, to start a free trial and put your mind in motion. So I have talked so much about the lockdown, which I thought uh, from the beginning was uh, too uh, exaggerated a response, a universal lockdown. Uh, they, they should have had uh, people who were susceptible to getting ill uh, in quarantine, not the healthy, especially not the young. Uh, I, I, I believe more than ever that that, was, that would have been the right thing to do. The world economy is being shattered, and economy doesn't mean rich people making money. It means poor people having the money for food. So I just want to remind you that the lockdown was universal. So it affected, and even if it was just America and the West, it affected so much of the rest of the world that makes its living from America. Then I spoke a lot, I've spoken a lot about the, uh, the crisis emanating from the, the killing of George Floyd. So I have really talked at the opening of these fireside chats about what's happening at the moment. I have seen the fireside chat more as a way to talk about life to you. But these things have been so overwhelmingly important, I've, I've had to address them. And of course, they address great issues of life anyway. So now I feel I could sort of talk to you about something uh, very large and very important and something you may not think about much, but which I have thought about a great deal and which, as it happens, does apply uh, to uh, a very important element of what we're living through right now. I want to talk to you about how little importance I have always attached to blood, as in blood relations. And it'll help explain why I attach so little importance to race. I don't attach importance to blood, and that's, that is even for me personally in my own relationships, 
And I don't, uh, so obviously, I don't attach any importance to race. I attach all importance to the greatest division of humanity is not by blood, not by race, not by nationality, but by, as Viktor Frankl put it in his great book, Man's Search for Meaning, there are only two races, the decent and the indecent. That is, in effect, the motto of my life. That is what matters to me, goodness. Are people good or people not good? So I want to talk to you about blood for a moment. Every year on my radio show, for years, I, I've stopped for some reason. In the, I know, no, not for some reason. I know why, because I forgot. <laughs> but about once a year, for years, I would address the issue of blood. And it made people think as I get calls. And the reactions were fascinating. And I would tell people that I don't, I've never cared about blood. So the, the most obvious example is family. People think blood is important. That has been the, the human norm. If I'm related to you, if I'm a blood relation to you, then there, that in and of itself is of great significance. And I remember as a kid thinking, why? <laughs> Nobody ever gave me an answer. <laughs> as soon as you say why, people have no answer. So were blood related? For example, it occurred to me, I'd say already by high school, you know, it's fascinating. My parents, my parents had an incredible marriage, 72 years together, 69 married. That's rare. They, and they loved each other like crazy. I mean, they were, they were lovebirds. And it occurred to me at a very early age, they're not related. Look at that. I mean, I, you know, my parents loved their kids, but they loved each other the most. And that struck me as very educational. The person that they loved the most, they had no blood relationship to. By the way, it's one of the great things about marriage is that you, and you learn to love someone you're not related to. That's in effect the first time that happens to people. And if it's a good marriage, it, it's the greatest love of your life in many ways. Look, the love of a child is unique. I have, I, it's unique. But the love of someone you're not related to, your spouse, is also unique. Uh, it, it, the, in terms, I've thought about this a lot because I speak to so many people who've lost loved ones. And the... Generally speaking, I would say the, the loss of a child is the most painful, but the loss of a spouse uh, is the most, uh, is, is in some ways the most difficult. They're, they're, they, they're both painful, they're both difficult, but they're, dif they're difficult in different ways. The, the, the one with the child is difficult in terms of its pain. But the loss of the spouse is difficult on the day-to-day -day ability to go on if you truly loved, if you truly loved that person. It's, that's why when I, when I, when I meet somebody who, who lost their, their spouse, whatever age, young, old, I, my heart goes out to them. 
that's why so often when people love each other, they die often, especially if they're older, they die pretty soon after the other spouse dies. I will tell you, it's, it's not a, I'm not going to keep it a secret. My, my father was a very happy guy. And when he lost my mother, he was 90. She was 89. And they had, as I said, been together 72 years. And he was never the same. He, uh, he, he lived, but he really died with her. Which is an amazing thing, because if you knew him, he was so vibrant. But as he said, part of me died. And, and that's true. Part of him did die when she died. That, that's, and that's not a blood relative. Remember, that's the subject here is blood. And I'll give you another example. Uh, when when I, I wanted to have a second child, I always wanted children. I, I, I ultimately, I, I had a number in my brain. I would like four kids. It, it doesn't matter, but I, I had that in my mind. And I had one, and uh, uh, then I wanted, uh, I wanted more, but it happens that my, my wife at that time, I'm, I'm remarried, but my wife at that time uh, could not have another child. We tried, and she could not have one. And I, I just said one day, so let's adopt. It, it wasn't like a struggle for me. I, I, it was no doubt in my mind that I would love an adopted child as much as a blood child. And I ha- already had a blood child, a biological child, if you will. And by the way, it turned out to be exactly true. It, 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 it is of, of no consequence to me that uh, one of my sons is not uh, uh, my seed. As I have often said, I love my child, not my seed. <laughs> There's something bizarre about, you know, I, it has to be my seed. That's primitive to me. Why does it have to be your seed? Why? Because that guarantees that they'll be like you? You know how many people have biological children who are, who are completely unlike them? And, and not only that, maybe completely alienated from them, right? I mean, do you know how common that is, unfortunately? Blood guarantees nothing, nothing. Anyways, I often put it with regard to being a father. So I met my biological son. When did I meet him? The day he was born. When did I meet my adopted child? The day he was born. So I, I didn't carry either one. I had no relationship with either one until the day that I that I saw them. And it, it, it has made, I know, I mean, I know me really well. I monitor myself. My love is, is identical. I mean, they're different human beings. You love people in different ways, but has nothing to do uh, with uh, the intensity and has nothing to do with blood. So I... I I, I'll never forget. So a guy called me once, and I love when people challenge me on the radio because it's good for me and it's good for the listeners to hear a challenge. A guy called me up. This is a dramatic call because I don't remember. I've had tens of thousands of calls in my career as a radio host. I remember very few. 
how could I remember many? This one, clearly I remember. Guy calls me up, he says, Dennis, I almost always agree with you, but I don't agree with you on this one. And I'll give you the, my example to show you how important blood is. I said, okay. Said, my parents were Holocaust survivors. They lost, the Nazis murdered every one of their family. They had no one. My parents married, both had lost all of their blood relatives, which is not uncommon. It's incredible. I, their child, have their only blood relative. Now do you see how that could be important? Sounds logical, right? So I posed the question to him on the air. I said, so let me ask you. So obviously your parents are Jewish, right? So I said, let me ask you a question. What do you think they would prefer? A blood child who completely abandoned his Jewish identity or an adopted child who maintained Judaism and produced a Jewish family? And then there was silence. I love silence on the radio. It is so dramatic. And he goes, I see your point. And that was it. By the way, you don't need to have Holocaust survivors or Jews to ask that question. Ask people who think blood children are the most important thing. Okay, here's your choice. A blood child who completely rejects your values, which is very common today, or uh, a non-blood child who carries on the values that you believe in. What's more important, values or blood? It's not even a question. Anybody who said blood is more important, I, I so don't understand it that I, I, I wouldn't even argue. I would just say, okay, I give up. But almost nobody would say that. Here's another proof. Otto, how many people truly, and I'm not being facetious here, truly love their dog? Most people who own a dog love their dog. Are you blood-related to your dog? The odds are against it. Even in today's topsy-turvy world, nobody claims that their dog is a blood relative. That seems, by the way, to make a big impression on a lot of people because they really do love their dog. Or cat, if you want, but use dog as the example. What, what, does blood, what does blood mean? Think about it. That, that, that's, that, anyway, even if you have a child that's your blood, it's only half your blood anyway, right? It's the other, it's the other your partners, half the, half the DNA, half the, half the genes, right? They're, they're not yours anyway. So do you love half your child, the half that's your blood? It's, it's, not, it, it's an absurdity. So this is really important that people have things backwards. So if blood's not important, I'm going to think skin color is important? you got to be kidding. But people don't think clearly, especially today, because people go to college and they learn how not to think clearly. And I mean that with no exaggeration. If you think clearly after four years of college, it is despite college, not because of it. 
Now that's true of high schools too, by the way. So uh, now you can understand why I dismiss all talk of, you know, we shouldn't be colorblind. I'm bloodblind, let alone colorblind. <laughs> Everybody has blood relatives they can't stand, correct? Who would you rather spend a year on an island, on a deserted island with? The vast majority of answers are not someone you're blood related to, right? That doesn't mean you don't love them. Of course, you, of course, and by the way, sometimes you love them, but not because they're blood, because they're wonderful. If you're close with your brother or sister, it's not because of blood. It's because you love your brother or sister. They're a terrific person, right? Blood. <laughs> so, just thought I'd share that with you. It's a case for adoption, and it's a case for the dismissal of this truly primitive notion that race is important. Okie dokie. This is the 140th fireside chat. That's a lot. I didn't know if we would do more than two in the beginning, remember? Eh, we'll, we'll give it a try. By the way, you should share this stuff with people. It's really important. You want, it, you want to make a positive impact on people, share this. Say, you watch this for X number of minutes, and then I'll watch what you want three times more of what you want me to watch. Okay, here we go. Hey, what's up? I'm Eli. Uh, I'm in Prager Force. I'm 18 years old, and I live in Prager, Idaho. Uh, anyways, I have a question. Have these protests happened before, and has a culture been so tribalistic as it is now in our culture? Um, anyways, thought it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on that question. Thanks. Love ya. That's sweet. Love ya. I love when guys say to me, I love you. It is. It's powerful. Okay, Eli, thank you. So, uh, have we had demonstrations like this before? Uh, with this uh, level of violence, uh, I don't know. I, I, would have to, I would have to check that out. Uh, the, the second part is the tribalistic. Uh, this, uh, this dividing of America into, into tribes uh, is one of the terrible things the left has done. We, we were moving away from it with, with great success. And very few societies ever have. By the way, that is one of the reasons the nation is an important thing. People think nationalism always means something bad. Had there been, uh, uh, in Rwanda, had there been a, a, a nation, a national identity, there wouldn't have been the genocide of the Hutus against the Tutsis, which many of you never heard of because you went to college for four years. You should have heard about it. It is the most recent genocide, except for the, I guess, ISIS and the Yazidis. And the reason, that was tribal. That was purely tribal. Vast numbers of people killed in a very short period of time without gas chambers, without guns, just with machetes. It's, it's, it, you should read about it, the Rwandan genocide.
had there been a national identity which which was higher than the tribal, then it would have been a very uh, one. It would not have happened. That's what America's motto. Remember, one of America's three mottos: "In God We Trust, Liberty, and E Pluribus Unum." From many, one. So, in other words, from many nationalities, ethnicities, and races, one people, American. That's the American ideal. The left does not believe in that. From many, one sounds to them as uh, some sort of white hegemony or, or whatever they call it. But uh, in fact, it's a beautiful thing. What, whatever your background, you're an American. You, you certainly have, you have traditions from your, from your background. Keep them, that's fine. I went to, I went to Jewish school till I was 18. Half the day was in Hebrew. But we put on George Washington plays. We, we knew we were American. It was celebrated. That's, so as, as American national identity and patriotism are dying, tribalism, blood tribalism, race tribalism, ethnic tribalism is taking over. Don't think of yourself as American. Think of yourself as whatever it is, hyphenated American. So this is, uh, th we're going backwards, actually. The left calls itself progressive. That is one of the many untruths that dominate left-wing life. Unfortunately. Okay, let's see now. Chloe, 16, Charlestown, Rhode Island. What is your opinion on unions and not being able to fire the bad apples? Because currently you can't fire bad cops or bad teachers. Do you think that in the future bad cops or bad teachers could be fired? Give Otto a rub for me. He is just too cute. I hope you didn't hear that, Otto, because you're going to get a little conceited. Chloe, 16. Chloe, I wish you could meet Otto. I'm sure Otto would be very happy to meet you, too. Uh, let's see. That's great. You know, this. first of all, it was a tragedy that uh, government employees unionized. This, this is one of the... Uh, very bad things that happened in America. John Kennedy did that, actually. The, 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 the whole point of working for the government was that you were working for the public, not working for yourself. That was the point of public employment. And then they allowed the unionization, and it's been uh, horrible in, uh, for teachers. I mean, many teachers like it. It's been horrible for the, the country. And police unions, uh, there's a, I understand why it develops. I understand why teachers' unions develop. But you're right, the bad apples issue is a very real one. Benjamin, 19, Atlanta, Georgia. What I don't understand is how my family, how can my family, who are from Venezuela, have no problem whatsoever with BLM being led by trained Marxists, a trained Marxist, which is true. I, I played her. Uh, on, on my show, she was asked two years ago, do you have an ideology? She said, yes, I'm a trained Marxist, which is a fancy word for communist. Not really a question for you, I'm just baffled. It is baffling, isn't it? How do people who leave uh, a, Marxist, a Marxist destruction of their society then support Marx, a Marxist and Marxist movement in the United States? Because uh, people... Uh, most people do not think rationally or morally. They think uh, passion with passion. So th that's, that's the biggest problem, and it's very difficult to, to fight. 
I, I, it is astonishing how they could do that. You're absolutely right. But, you know, my favorite book, the Bible, has the greatest story on that. The Israelites leave Egypt, right? They were slaves for hundreds of years. And uh, right away, they start complaining uh, about being free. Uh, let's go back to Egypt. Read it. It's in Exodus. I, I have a long, long chapter on that in my book on Exodus, the Rational Bible. It's all, this is all for, you know what I think? It's all for God, Groundhog Day. That's my theory about God. God lives Groundhog Day. I, 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 don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he tunes out. Oh, no, humanity's making the same mistake again? Oh, I thought there was improvement. Nicole, 22, New York, New York. Dear Mr. Prager, a lot of students across America have started Instagram accounts titled at Black At, then fill in the name of the institution. These are not only colleges and universities, but also private prep schools in New York and New England. Although these Instagrams are filled with stories of racism, none of them are verified, and some accounts seem to be more a platform for white students to air their dirty laundry by accusing classmates, teachers, and deans of serious acts of racism on a public platform. Some Instagram accounts go so far as to post stories of conservative sources, such as PragerU, she puts in parentheses, that the students have liked on Twitter as a means to call them out for racism. If you like the conservative source, then you're at black at, and you see, that's, well, that's, that's the way the left has always handled those they, they differ with. They call them names. They do not debate. They do not argue. They can't debate because what they believe is not based on truth. I, I wish they would debate. I would like any of the authors of these uh, uh, black, uh, not black, the, uh, the, the white, um, white supremacy books, white uh, fragility books, I'd like any of them to debate uh, Larry Elder as an example. They would never do it. Maybe, it we, maybe PragerU will offer such a large sum of money they can't refuse, but I think they would still refuse. They don't debate. So that's the, there's another terrible thing about this. This is the first time in American life where there is mass snitching. It, it dwarfs what we call McCarthyism. It, it, it would, in, you know, where people would label somebody a communist. It was, it was, it was comparatively rare compared to today. Racist, 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 racist. What, what uh, has, it, it, it is truly a dark period in American life. This is dark. And I'm an upbeat guy, but, but this is dark. If people understood what I have said my whole life, everything the left touches, and I always distinguish between left and liberal, everything the left touches, it destroys. Music, art, football, education, universities, religion, happiness. Ever meet a happy leftist? You can't be a leftist and happy because you're just filled with, with victimhood. That how could you be a happy person? You're angry at, you know, you're just angry. To be angry at America, which is a relatively decent place, relatively, because you have to compare it to other countries. Two million blacks have moved to America from South, from South, not South, from South of the uh, sub, not sub-Saharan Africa, South of the Sahara. That's where, uh, because North of the Sahara are Arabs who were 
generally not black. So the two million in, in the last 50 years have done everything they could to move to the United States because they know how well they will be treated. If America was systemically racist, would two million black Africans want to move here? Would a Jew want to move to a systemically anti-Semitic country? Okay, is that a good analogy? Well, they're all good questions. But you know what? It's better to leave you wanting more than thinking, all right, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> These are things to think about. They're really important, good stuff. And uh, two things that I've written, I'm sorry to, uh, I, I feel like I have to apologize, but the whole point of writing this was to help people understand what's going on. So I wrote a book, Still the Best Hope. It explains the left, it explains America. It's three books, Left America and Islam, Still the Best Hope. That's, it's, it, it's eye-opening and clear. And of course, the Rational Bible because that's where I get this insights into life from. So on behalf of Otto, I hereby announce the end of Fireside Chat number 140, reminding you, if blood doesn't mean anything, race certainly doesn't. I'm Dennis Prager. See you next week. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these Fireside Chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.